Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central. Simpler Communications. This episode is brought to you by Flex Fantasy, and they want me to relay a message to you that they have cracked open the game of fantasy football to all. When you sign up for a free account and download the Flex Fantasy app, you can import all your teams from all your leagues across multiple platforms that you play on. Spice up your fantasy playing experience by challenging league mates or strangers off the street to a fantasy matchup no matter how or where they play. And put your money where your mouth is by placing a wager on your head-to-head matchup. It doesn't matter if you are on Yahoo and your opponent is on Sleeper. You can import your teams to Flex Fantasy to face off. You can even make wagers on who you think will win between other challenges besides your own. So sign up for a free account and download the app to try it out at flex.fan. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Maynard. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. We're looking into the future this Thursday night because it is a clairvoyant night here on the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Thanks for tuning in live on our YouTube channel. You can always check us out live on bellyup.tv as well. Download the Foxy Network app to find us on demand on your Roku, uh, Fire TV, Samsung, LG devices, or just stay up to date with the show when you're on the go and download us on your favorite podcast app. Give us a five-star review. It really does help us out quite a bit. As always, I'm your host, Dan Meaner. I'm joined here my co-host on Thursdays. i got to be specific between the uh, days here. On Thursdays, Christopher Dauer. We're trying to get Brian Scott in. Uh, we didn't have him yesterday because he was doing surgeries. Today, we're having some tech issues so hopefully we'll be able to get him in Chris we got the Thursday night game going on right now and the Houston Texans who were 
13 and a half point underdogs coming into this matchup are uh, neck and neck right now with the Philadelphia Eagles. How about them apples? Would you expect anything less after this, you know, as, as the season's progressed? It's kind of, you know, at the MO of the season, the guys that you expect, you know, no doubters in a sense, seem to cast out week in, week out. So this week it seems to be the Eagles' turn to kind of keep it close, keep it interesting. I expect that they'll be able to pull it out open in the fourth quarter, but you are seeing defensively they miss that big boy from Georgia in the middle right now. Yeah, and Fletcher Cox got hurt for a little bit during this game as well, so they have both of them out. Fletcher Cox is back in from what I understand. We'll keep our eye on that game as we go forward through the show, but it is the second half fantasy football preview of Week 9. And because it's a uh, well, it's a light week because six teams are on by, we don't have as many teams to cover. So, Chris, this is what, this is what we're going to do. We're going to dive into our first three matchups, and then if we get Brian on, we'll pivot out to the injury inquiries so we can get him back in here hopefully sometime soon. Hey, I can do part of Brian's part. Screw Michael Thomas. Go ahead. Next. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get there. I'll let you vent. Don't you worry. Uh, our first three matchups for our first half of this show is going to be the Vikings against the Commanders, the Raiders against the Jaguars, and the Arizona Cardinals against the Seattle Seahawks. That'll be our first three matchups. So let's go ahead and talk about some of our obvious starters that we have for these games. Obvious starters. Welcome back, Captain Obvious. Yes, I am. Well, first up and foremost, I do have Kyler Murray ranked as a QB6, and it's an uninspiring QB6 to say the least, but a top, you have to start him quarterback anyway. I will say this, at least from an NFL standpoint, he's playing a bit better since DeAndre Hopkins has gotten back into the room, and his safety blanket's always there to help him. By the way, Hopkins who I also have as an obvious starter. I'll just throw him in here. Last two weeks in a row, he's been the wide receiver one. Yeah, I definitely agree with the Hopkins as a must-start. I mean, basically what you're seeing is a Cooper Cup prototype in Arizona. The guy's getting so many targets, it's ridiculous. He is the passing game for Arizona. And Kyle Murray definitely enjoys having his Baba back, as you kind of pointed out, having his pacifier in Dodger Hopkins um, has definitely kind of helped him look a little bit better, but not necessarily to the point where I think he's a must-start. Uh, we're obvious start. I think this guy's still kind of having some issues. Uh, he struggled versus Seattle last two weeks ago. Uh, you know, put up decent numbers, has a decent floor versus Seattle, but I don't think he's a guy that I necessarily love the upside for yet. Well, regardless whether you love the upside or not, he's still been a top seven quarterback so far this season. That's just how ugly it's been. So for me, he still winds up being an obvious starter coming at the QB six position. And DeAndre Hopkins is a top 10 wide receiver too, while we're at that. But my other obvious starters, and we'll go back to the running back position, we got uh, Dalvin Cook coming in at RB10. The Vikings going to work against the Washington Commanders. I, I think you're definitely starting him. Josh Jacobs, the question, I want to ask you this question. He comes in for me at RB3 right now. Am I being too aggressive? Do we see the Raiders suddenly you know, not be the Raiders anymore? Is that what's going to come? Or did they just get back to the basics and last week was just an aberration? I mean, I think the entire offense was horrible last week, so I wouldn't put that on Josh Jacobs, per se, previous to that. The guy has been basically a top RB that you could have out there. He's getting the volume, he's being more involved in the medium and passing attack. So what you were seeing before is a bell cow back, a guy who was being, you know, averaging by 100 yards per, you know, per game, getting touchdown opportunities. Josh Jacobs, to me, is somebody you're still putting in your lineup with confidence as long as, you know, the Raiders are going to score points eventually, you think. They had been putting up more points than they had last week. So I think last week more of an operation than Josh Jacobs is going to throw him out the tubes now, going down the tubes, I should say. I tend to agree with you. I mean, there was a lot of people out there talking about, well, 
Amir Abdullah got involved and, uh, you know, all the running backs that we had talked about getting involved throughout the season actually got touches last week, something they really hadn't been doing up until that point. That game was just weird. It got out of hand once it got into the fourth quarter, which is guys like Zamir White and Amir Abdullah actually started playing a little bit. That's what that was a reflection of. It was not a reflection of all of a sudden Josh Jacobs turned to the committee that we all feared at the beginning of the season. So no worries there, and that's why he comes into my RB3. But the guy who we have to introduce newly to the obvious starts, at least for me, we'll see what you have to say, he comes to my RB7, Travis Etienne. I was very impressed with not just him against the Denver Broncos, but the play calling against the Denver Broncos. The Jaguars showed no fear against a team that statistically had been stifling running backs. They ran right at them. They had their new toy, and now they get a really nice matchup here this week on top of it against the Raiders, who are awful on defense. So, Travis Etienne, you got to fire him up. And while I question whether or not this guy is going to be able to hold up with his body build throughout the entire season on that kind of a workload, while he's healthy, I think he's an RB1. Yeah, I definitely have to agree. And what it kind of reminds me of, I'm not going to quite go there quite yet, but he reminds me a lot of Brian Westbrook was in Philadelphia. He talked about, you know, attacking, the, using the line and running downhill. I think that's the key thing that's kind of Jacksonville's recognizing and the rest of the league should kind of pick up one. I know the big Vogue systems, you know, the zone blocking schemes of Kyle Shanahan, but as you see, as, as teams are becoming better at setting the edge and kind of preparing more and more for that, those, you know, those kinds of offenses and particularly those offensive linemen, it's tough when you face a lineman line that can just kind of blow you off the line. And Jacksonville's got a lot of big boys across that front, you know, front five. It's not a little line. It's not one of the smaller lines in football. So when they actually kind of get downhill and you were uh, with that explosiveness, what's happening, I think, is you know, benefits him in a lot of ways is he's not getting touched. And gosh, some of the little Brees Hall, you know, the Jets when you have the yeah when you get you're explosive and you get down the thing and you have big guys in front of you, it definitely helps. So you can help you last a little bit longer. And, and definitely is definitely an RB one right now. So let's just finish this obvious start segment real quick. And then we got Brian Scott waiting in the green room. Kenneth Walker, he does come into my RB5. I don't think we have any questions there, right? No, I mean, you were kind of, I thought, felt content last week with Charles Homer returning. Was it going to be something that was going to eat into his touches? It didn't necessarily hurt him. He wasn't seeing a lot in the passing game as it was. But what you see is a guy kind of a, a, a big play waiting to happen. As he keeps touching the, touch the ball as the game progresses, he usually has a big play waiting for him. And that's how I got to end the last week for you. About Devontae Adams. So I got him at my wide receiver four. Again, kind of like Josh Jacobs, I'm showing absolutely no fear in last week. He played the fourth most snaps amongst the receivers. So what that signals to me is that clearly, whatever that illness... He was 100% healthy. He was not him back to himself. But today, practice in full seems to be good to go. Do you have any concerns about Devontae Adams not being a wide receiver one? No, I talked about this on Tuesday's Belly Up Fantasy Live show. Um, for me, Devontae Adams is definitely not somebody to fear or be worried about. But I also think that you kind of saw in a sense is Derek Carr effect. Derek Carr is such a creature of habit that anything that changes seems to mess him up. And I think Devontae Adams, with, the, with his illness not being out there and the kind of the pieces around him, being in and out of line with Hunter Robert going to play, was Waller going to play? I think that's what messed up the Raiders more so than Devontae Adams all of a sudden fell off the face of the earth. Yeah, exactly. There's no fears there. And then uh, Darren Waller. Well, you know what? We can't really talk about Darren Waller because we need his injury prognosis. So this is a good time for us to bring Brian Scott back on. Brian, can you hear us? <laughs> okay, Brian, guess what? 
You might be able to hear us. I cannot hear you <laughs> at all. <laughs> Unless you want to do the meme thing. I, I got nothing coming through. No. Wait, wait. You, oh, wait. Oh, there it was. Oh, oh, you say something. Say something real quick. Can you hear me now? Yes. Yes, we can. We got Brian. He's back. Not sure what's going on, but it sounds like we got you back, buddy. I'm glad to have you. So let's, uh, before, you know, anything flakes out on us again, let's uh, just dive right into our injury inquiries. Injury inquiries. Oh. oh. Okay. Okay. So let's talk about, let's kick this thing off. Oh, I kind of left it hanging there with Darren Waller. So Darren Waller, do you have an update on him? Uh, limited in practice, uh, dealing with a hamstring injury. And uh, I'm not too optimistic um, heading into this weekend, given the fact that he's missed so much time already. This thing seems to be a nagging injury for him. Uh, Darren Waller. (laughs) As we've discussed uh, numerous times with many other players, hamstring injuries are very difficult to treat. Um, The biggest issue tends to be that players feel good and they don't necessarily have the opportunity to test it out. And then when they do, uh, they have major setbacks, and that's typically what you'll see, and that's not a fluke. That's very common in the literature as well um, because the subjective feelings of the athletes don't always correlate with the objective data um, as far as speed, power, and uh, strength and agility are concerned, and so guys will feel good, but they're not necessarily actually good, and so they step out in the field too soon, have a setback, and then boom, you know, a couple weeks later, uh, they're still dealing with the same injury. And this is very common with hamstrings. And I don't think this is going to be any different for Darren Waller. A la Keenan Allen talking about what happened to him <laughs> over the bye week, which was the same thing. And screw you, Keenan Allen. Just, just, you know what? Just sit in a chair until you're healthy, okay? Yeah. And you just at some point this season, man. Yeah. All right. So now that we got that out of the way. Let's talk about uh, Let's talk about Cooper <laughs> Cup. So we didn't practice yesterday. Everyone's downplaying the injury. So what do you think is going to happen here? Uh, I, I read that he was limited in practice today. It's, um, you know, he takes very good care of himself. It didn't sound like it was a major injury by all reports. And the team, the players, the management, and the organization are optimistic that he's going to be playing this week. Um, I, I, I like to see him get more of a full practice in before the weekend. But uh, historically speaking, um, he's not much t- missed much time to injury. Um, even when he went down with an ACL, he bounced back um, miraculously and look like he never skipped a beat and putting up similar numbers. So uh, if anybody could bounce back from this on a quick basis, I, I think Cooper Cup's the guy. We'll have to watch that practice report coming in tomorrow. Make sure you are following us at BellyUpMDFF Show. We'll keep you up to date with that. Kyron Williams, the long-awaited return of this guy who, uh, you know, there's been a lot of reports that maybe the Rams love him, although it seems like they love every running back. Now they love Cam Akers again, too. Who knows? But with Kyron Williams, he does have an ankle issue. He was activated last week. Uh, his window is activated, I should say. Will he be activated for game day roster this week, you think? Um, well, they, they're running out of time. You got a 21-day window here. It, it sounded like they were very optimistic that he was going to get a good chance to make his um, return this weekend. And I, I think, and you, you guys can speak to this more that there was some trade rumors about Cam Akers possibly being shipped out. And that might've made Kyron Williams more of uh, uh, the odds in his favor of him actually returning this week. And now that I think Cam Akers is staying, correct. Um, uh, it sounds like 
it, we might not see Kyron Williams, but uh, apparently he's been doing well and progressing through his recovery. Um, if if not this weekend, definitely next weekend, because if not next weekend, he'll go back on IR. Yeah, so he'll probably have to be soon, and uh, Sean McVay is going to have five running backs to rotate through pretty soon, apparently. What about uh, Ryan Tannehill? So he was limited on practice Wednesday, did not practice today, though. Do you think he's able to go out there? Um, I, I have a feeling we might not see him. Uh, he, he was reportedly uh, seen in a locker room with his ankle taped up and did not participate today after being limited yesterday. Um, you know, this could be a little bit worse than initially may have uh, thought. Uh, he may be um, dealing with some swelling and stiffness and weakness in the ankle. Um, you know, given his uh, um, seniority uh, within the organization, um, I don't think they rush him back. I think we could see Malik Willis again this weekend. Oh, boy. What about Derrick Henry? So there's a little bit of weirdness going on with Henry. Doesn't yeah. practice on Wednesday because of a foot issue. Didn't practice today, but they actually took him off the injury report and said it was for personal reasons why he didn't practice today. So I don't know what you're reading into that. Uh, your guess is as good as mine. Um, this should not be an issue with whatever foot thing he dealt with last year and then came back from. That should be long healed by now and should not be an issue his Jones fracture. So I'm not sure if this is a new problem, if it's truly just a personal issue and they were looking for uh, to try and avoid having to go into detail about it. Um, hard to say. He did say yesterday that he was going to play. He did tell reporters he'd be out there. Yeah. And I don't listen to players when they talk <laughs> Period. <laughs> when it comes to their, that. Their, their guys um, are pretty upfront with most of his injury stuff. So I would be surprised if he wasn't. I would be a little surprised too. Tomorrow will be the telltale all for yeah. sure. All right, so we got some. We got three Ravens here to talk about now. It's the Monday night game, so this gets a little bit tricky. Edwards Andrews did not practice today, and those are the only guys that might suit up on Monday. So give me their prognosis first, and then I'll let you talk about uh, Rashad Bateman. Well, uh, Andrews, uh, aside from this knee thing that he's been dealing with and able to play through, he sustained a shoulder injury uh, this past week, and that's been the thing that's kept him off the field apparently now. Um, Not much detail coming out about what exactly the injury is. Um, Given that he's dealing with two body parts, uh, if if he can't step on the field at all, um, makes me really suspicious about whether or not we'll see him Monday night. With regards to Gus Edwards, don't forget, he's coming off uh, ACL reconstructed knee. Um, only returned uh, a few weeks ago uh, back to uh, the active roster and actually got some playing time. And he's dealing with a hamstring injury. And um, like we dealt with earlier in the year um, with um, uh, uh, Godwin. Forget, uh, the, uh, Godwin, sorry, thank you. Uh, you know, he had the same issue. He sat out a few weeks dealing with the hamstring thing, probably more as a precautionary measure because you don't want to mess around with a hamstring injury on the same side as the ACL reconstructed knee, which not sure if that's the case here, but if that is, uh, we could see an extended absence from Gus. Um, but it sounds like he's doing well with the recovery, uh, but not on the field today. So this is going to be one of those things we'll have to keep a very close eye on as we head into the weekend. Um, but I think both players are really going to be truly questionable and truly game-time decisions. Yeah, well, well, Chris, we'll get into Kenny and Drake and all, all of that later on. Okay, and now I want to give the floor back over to Brian. Talk about Rashad Bateman now getting surgery for his Liz Franck injury and finally admitting it. It is so. Yeah, so, um, you know, if, if if your fans here are listening now have listened to the show before, I was uh, suspected that this may have been the issue and this may have been the problem he was dealing with. 
uh, like we've seen historically speaking with uh, Cam Newton a few years ago, trying to play through this injury never seems to work out. It sounds like it was probably a ligamentous Liz Frank injury, which sometimes guys will try to play through. Um, it, and it almost always ends up like this where eventually they will get surgery. And um, I had said a few weeks ago that it sounded like it could be any one of several different foot sprains, but just from the, the way the story was kind of unfolding, it led me to believe that he was dealing with the Liz Frank injury. And then lo and behold, reports came out today that that's in fact what he has, uh, season-ending surgery uh, coming up. Typical time to return to play from this can be anywhere between three to four months, sometimes even longer. It really depends on what they have to do to uh, correct this surgically. But um, hopefully he should make a full recovery and we see him back out next season, if not if not this season, which I don't think we will. It's been rough so far early in his career. I've been a big fan, but he just cannot stay out there on the field thus far to this point. I do have a little bit of good news, uh, Brian. This will be the last time that I have to talk to you about Michael Thomas, who's now getting <laughs> surgery with the toe injury. And and I, I, I mean, not to brag or anything, but we talked about this on this show as well uh, several times where uh, he was dealing with a turf toe, and I was kind of surprised. I'm like, if he's not able to get back out there um, – then I don't know why they wouldn't consider surgery or do surgery sooner. Um, and it may be inevitable. And then here we are today finding out that that's in fact the case. Um, again, this is one of those surgeries that um, has has very poor prognosis long-term, unfortunately. And in fact, this was the thing that kind of led to the ultimate career-ending injury that Deion Sanders had. Uh, he dealt with a turf toe throughout his career, had multiple surgeries on it. Eventually, this would be the thing that kind of uh, ended his career. You lose a lot of power, agility, the ability to cut and pivot off that uh, toe, that foot, and it's a very important joint that's involved. The surgery outcomes are not always so great, especially when you're looking at elite-level athletes. And so this is very concerning, not just for the immediate future for Michael Thomas, but the long-term future and his career in the NFL. This is going to be a difficult thing for him to bounce back from. And unfortunately, um, I don't think it would have mattered whether they pulled the trigger earlier or, or later, uh, but just the fact that that's the injury he's been dealing with and now it's come to this, um, it's not not a good sign. Chris, this is a, it's an emotional game, fantasy football, and this is where, uh, since we have microphones, we can vent, and uh, if you want to vent, go ahead real quack. Oh, no, I mean, I don't have a huge vent. I just more so that Michael Thomas is just Michael Thomas things. I mean, the guy's basically been holding people hostage for the last mm, three years now in fantasy football, and I think it's not necessarily him but I'm you know, more annoyed with, it's more of the Saints organization to just seeing, you know, what we have. Brian's awesome and does a great job kind of, you know, giving diagnoses from afar. These guys actually get paid and they actually look at these injuries and they still have this, seem to have no clue, particularly when it comes to the Saints and Michael Thomas, where it's like, oh, he'll be back next week. Oh, maybe next week. Oh, maybe next week. Maybe next week. And then, you know, three years go by. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When Shopify says you can sell anywhere, oh, they mean it. Ooh, hold up. Just got a new sale, order fulfilled, and shipped. Inventory level's good. Whoa, Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level. Or on top of the world! Ah, you can run and grow your business anywhere. 
Climbing mountains is never easy, but at least Shopify gives me all the tools I need for my business to hit new beats. Whether you're selling carabiners or crop tops, start selling with Shopify today and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. We've built the platform so you can keep climbing and grow your business to new heights. With Shopify, you really can sell to anyone from anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or seafloors. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Like uh, the head coach, uh, Dennis Allen, is it? I think, right? <clears throat> made a comment today that his toe is like dislocated or something. That's not, that doesn't sound yeah. very accurate. My guess is that he has a pretty substantial uh, turf toe injury that has led to his toe becoming unstable. And if that's the case now, how that wasn't noticed early on uh, is beyond me, but maybe it became that way over time as he tried to get back from this injury. That's possible. Um, but uh, as I said before, these are not good injuries, especially in skilled position players in the NFL. And when you're looking long-term career-wise, uh, it's a catastrophic injury, unfortunately, um, for these type of position players in the in the, uh, this level. Uh, what about uh, Mark Ingram? He had a MCL sprain, I believe it was. When do you think he'll be back? Uh, initial report said about three to four weeks, which tells me that it's probably not too severe. Um, this is, it, ligament doesn't all, uh, ever, almost never requires surgery, usually just a period of some immobilization, bracing, and then some therapy. doesn't usually render the knee grossly unstable, so he should be able to bounce back from this. He might play with a brace initially, but uh, three or four weeks sounds about right. Shouldn't affect then, his feet because uh, he has none. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, valid. <laughs> All he has to do is fall forward, apparently, to get on the field when it comes to the Saints. It's very annoying. Uh, John Dotson, he's still not practicing with a hamstring issue. Are, is there anything for us to look out for with the timeline that he's now missed? Remember, it was reported to be one to two weeks, and now we're going on about a month. Yeah, uh, four weeks he's missed and um, uh, had a setback already once, maybe even twice, if I'm not mistaken. Did not practice today. Uh, not very optimistic or um, uh, able to really give you a good timeline as to when we might see him back. But, you know, like like I said already, these things can linger for quite some time. And uh, it's going to be probably a few more weeks before we see him if he can't even get on the field in a limited fashion heading into this weekend. Um, not sure if the commanders have had a bye week. Maybe that's something they're shooting for. Hard to say, though. Yeah, I, I just want to say, you know, unfortunate for the player, of course, but for a guy who drafted Keenan out in a lot of places and felt like an idiot, because like, oh, why did I take a 30-year-old receiver? Of course it's going to happen. It happened to a rookie, so I don't. I, I feel less bad about it. Uh, how about James Conner and his rib issues? Uh, limited in practice today, so that's a good sign. Um, has already missed three games, though, since this injury occurred. I'm hopeful that, that he can get out there uh, this weekend. Um, this isn't one of those injuries that you necessarily need to test it out. Uh, if you can get through limited sessions... Um, that usually bodes well with the rib injuries. Um, I, I, it would ni- be nice to see him get through full reps, uh, you know, with the uh, offense, um, not necessarily have to uh, sustain contact during that time um, to, to kind of give an idea of whether he'll be out there or not. But uh, uh, limited, you know, is a good chance we could see him. Uh, I'm probably about 50-50 on whether or not he comes back. A lot of it may have to do with uh, – other running backs on the at this position or the other players at this position within the Cardinals, but um, good sign here. 
All right. Real quick, Dan, he's been limited for the last couple of weeks, so that's one kind of concern, though, because he definitely is, isn't the first time he's ramped it up, so to speak. Ray was limited in practices last week as well. Didn't yeah. play. Yeah, he was limited all last week. Um, again, you know, these rib things, very important part of the torso, the, the core, um, you know, being able to twist, turn. A, a lot of times, if you can get through that in a limited fashion, then maybe it's just the contact that he's shying away from or not really ready for yet, but um, you, don't you don't necessarily need to do that in practice to be able to make it back. Yeah, we'll have to check that out. All right, that does it for the injury inquiries. Brian, I'm glad we were able to get you on at some point. Still in the first half of the show, so that, that that's okay. Uh, always enjoy uh, your company. Always enjoy your analysis, especially. Where can we all follow you at and what do you got coming up this weekend? Uh, well, my house has been ravaged by the flu, so you're not going to be seeing oh. me, much of me this weekend, unfortunately. <laughs> Thank, thankfully, awesome. I've uh, escaped the wrath of the flu, but uh, not my, my family members, unfortunately. So um, you'll just see me putting around on Twitter, throwing some uh, updates out there. Uh, you'll see me Sunday morning on one of the other Belly Up shows like I always am. Uh, but other than that, it's going to be kind of quiet around here as I help everybody recover, recover myself. Uh, figure out my computer situation after uh, an update to my <laughs> iOS, um, which probably is what threw everything w- uh, into a wild frenzy. Gotta this, love those updates. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, but yeah, no, no, nothing new to report. Uh, articles are still out uh, inside the medical tent. You'll see that again each week, and um, I, I got that OBJ article still out there. You can read about him. Talks are now every week is a different team looking to pick him up. Um, not sure how much he's going to contribute, but it's fun listening to all the rumors. Um, but other than that, that's about it. Um, thanks for having me on. Sorry I couldn't make it last night, but I was stuck in surgery all night, just in case everyone's wondering. I do work full time, and uh, sometimes that's part of the job. You know, you get stuck doing surgery till late at night, and last night was no exception. Yeah, you don't have to apologize for doing things that are much more important than uh, <laughs> fantasy football in, in the world of life. So thank you for that, Brian. I'm glad you're able to do that, and we will see you uh, next week, sir. Okay, guys, take care. Thanks a lot, Brian. You're welcome. Okay, Chris. So now let's let's revert and let's get into our lock of ins for our first three matchups we were talking about here. If I can, yeah, we're lock them in. It's a lock. We do have a quick question before we dive in. So Carter jumped on. He said, "Yo, I'm torn between Devin Singletary and Foreman this week. I do have Dante Foreman ranked ahead. Chuba Hubbard's been back. This is actually something we're going to talk about on the show anyway. But Chuba Hubbard is back at practice in a limited capacity. But there's a lot of talk." that seems like they're not really sure he's really going to play. So I think I would go with Foreman here, and I do have him ranked ahead of Devin Singletary. But what about you? Yeah, I would continue to ride the hot hand until it kind of shows you otherwise, whether Hubbard's back or not. Foreman's been you know, incredible the last two weeks. Carolina seems committed to getting him the ball. And I think when you look at the Buffalo situation, Singletary's usually an afterthought. The Hines move kind of scares him the passing attack, which Singletary gives him this floor. So I definitely would go with Foreman this week. All right. All right, let's get back into it here. So Kirk Cousins... I have him locked in. I got him as a top 10 quarterback. I got him a QB nine and a little revenge week heading back to Washington. Here's my thing on, on Kirk cousins in a weird way. I feel like this offense has not hit his ceiling still has not hit his ceiling. What it's capable of on the flip side. It also seems like Kirk cousins, not really pushing the envelope either. Regardless on a points per game basis, he's actually QB nine. So, Chris, I got two questions for you. One, are you locking him into your top 10 this week against the Washington Commanders on a heavy bye week? And two, do you think there's potential for more the rest of the season? I do think there's potential for more. 
Uh, this is Kirk Cousins, no matter who the coach is or what the, you know, kind of the scheme is, so to speak. He stinks for a period of time, and he finally gets kind of hot for a period, then he'll stink again, then he'll have a hot period. The thing I'm not going to say bye for this week is that this is going to be, you know, a payback in a sense for Washington. Washington's front deep forward is getting some pressure. Their defense is getting a little healthier. They have to grind it out and keep it slow scoring. Minnesota hasn't really shown me a lot of explosiveness for last week, where the running game did get back on track a little bit. But right now, the passing attack still looks kind of broken. And for me, myself, Justin Jefferson is somebody, is somebody definitely, you know, dominant. But I don't think he's enough to kind of, you know, boy, a uh, Kirk Cousins' numbers right now. So Kirk Cousins, to me, with, the, with you know, all the buys, he probably could definitely be a top 10 guy because there's probably nobody else to really choose from the club guys probably out there. But I'm not loving Kirk Cousins with better options. Yeah, just take a look at the graphic here. And look, the top the top eight or nine, I think, are pretty solid. And you got guys like Gino, and I even have Trevor Lawrence at the top 12. We'll talk about that later on. And Aaron Rodgers somehow makes my top 12 again because you guys Detroit, and even though I don't want him to be in there, but yeah, we have we have guys like that all around. Uh, James Conner is on my list. Here's my thing about James Conner. Why does he make my lock him in segment, even though I have him ranked at RB39 at the moment? If he goes, I would expect him to start. If he goes, I would expect him to play a good amount. I don't think they're going to bring him out there after holding him out the last three weeks if he's not a full go. At least that's my line of logic. I've been wrong so far this year because teams have done some weird stuff with their guys and injuries. But if he is out there, are you expecting the same thing, or do you think it's going to be a split regardless between him and Eno Benjamin? I think there'll be a form of a split. Now, how big that split is, to your point, I'm not exactly going to be able to guess for you. I think it's going to probably be around 60-40 or 65-35. I think Benjamin earned kind of his opportunity, and from what I'm understanding, they weren't necessarily – wanting to give Connor all the carries as it was, you know, over the last two years, Connor has been the running back, but they've always tried to have somebody else kind of like Edmonds last year and kind of platoon with him. Um, I think that was kind of the idea that was going to kind of materialize over the season. And my, my only concern for Connor, I think he's a play if he plays, but when he does play, um, you know, what's the guarantee he doesn't mess his, you know, his, his chest up in the first quarter, or something really quickly because last time he came back, he came back was out by the you know end of the first half. So I worry again if you have Connor in your lineup, you know, as Brian's kind of alluded to with some of these injuries, are kind of you know, who knows. It's kind of concerning for myself that this guy not really sure of the usage, and then on top of it, do you even make it through the whole game? Yeah, that because with a rib injury, if you get hit in the right spot, you know that's definitely an issue. But with the match against Seattle, if he is getting the bulk of the work, even a sixty-five split. That's why I would have him in my starting lineup if that is the case, but that's something we got to watch. Uh, we move on to the wide receivers. I am locking in Christian Kirk as a wide receiver, too, as a top 24 guy. I got him at 21 coming into the week. I know it's been a little bit rough, but the targets, at least the last two weeks, have gotten a bit back on track, and it's the Raiders. They're awful against everybody. I do think the Raiders' offense gets back on track to some degree, which could lead to this game being a sneaky shootout. And that's why I have guys like Trevor Lawrence we'll talk about later. And that's why I have guys like Christian Kirk who I have confidence in this week too. Do you? Yeah, I, have, I still can see I have confidence in Christian Kirk. I think their problem has been twofold. One, Trevor Lawrence hasn't been necessarily sharp or very good. Um, but the other part was that Christian Kirk was doing a really great job of getting open on short underneath routes, particularly crossing patterns and the quick ends. Um, teams basically were trying to take that away from them and force them to kind of run other routes. And as a result, you know, Lawrence a little bit struggled, but Kirk wasn't necessarily seeing the kind of same, you know, success as he was. But as you alluded to, the Raiders are now kind of the, the solution to the problem. 
Um, this secondary doesn't stop anybody, particularly in the slot, slot position. And add the fact that they're terrible against crossing patterns and terrible against separation. So this is a kind of a get-right game for Christian Kirk, I think. Let's move into Seattle receivers. I got both Metcalf and Tyler Lockett as top 24 plays this week. I know against the Arizona Cardinals, I believe Metcalf finished as wide receiver 53 and Lockett finished as wide receiver 67. And the Cardinals defense, especially in the secondary, has been formidable uh, since I would say about week three, I believe, is when they turned it around. But Metcalf and Lockett on injured bodies, on limited sort of snap counts last week against the Giants still put in top 24 performances with the way they're playing lately. I don't know how you don't play them. So I guess that's kind of where I'm at on that. That's why I say even in this matchup where there is a little bit of concern, I think you still have to lock them in as wide receiver twos. Yeah, I'm just agreeing. My bigger concern is do does Arizona kind of change up what it did last time? and actually put Byron Murphy on Lockett versus putting him on DK and shadowing DK because right. I thought that was stupid, and that was something that Seattle was able to take advantage of. If they are able to do that, that might limit Lockett because my first, Murphy's been really good Lock on one-on-one with people, and Lockett's not necessarily healthy right now. Uh, you saw him drop a touchdown pass last week, and he came, bounce, came back and bounced back with a nice catch. But I agree with you that right now, because of the consolidation of targets and how the offense kind of moves, you're going to have opportunity for one of these two guys to be, be heavily involved if not score touchdowns for you. So I think they'll definitely have opportunity to be receiver twos, receiver threes to have in your hot lap this week. And keep in mind, six teams on by. So the options get real limited real fast. <laughs> Talking about six teams on by, Zach Ertz comes in as my tight end three. This has everything to do with the Seattle matchup. They just they give up touchdowns to tight ends. That's what they do every single week. It doesn't matter who the tight end is. They give up a touchdown to a tight end. So Zach Ertz, his, his volume has been suspect since DeAndre Hopkins has entered back into the room. Something I worried about in the draft process. That's why I talked about if you draft Zach Ertz, try to sell him high before that happens. But he did get a touchdown last week. And as a prime matchup here against Seattle, I have him as a prime lock-em-in <coughs> top-five tight end as a result. Yeah, I 100% agree with this one. You know, Seattle's defense has definitely improved as the season progressed. They've gotten better versus the passing attack, number six versus receivers, um, especially on the outside you can still get him a little bit in the slot receiver. They've definitely improved versus the run. Saquon Barkley was not very effective last week. A guy who's been a beast, um, but they've, they've kind of tuned that for the last two or three weeks now. And then the problem as is the tight end position, as you talked about, and it still is not being fixed. It has not been fixed for years now. And Seattle will continue to hemorrhage points at the tight end position. Zach Ertz is a must play this week. Let's get into our lookout for. Lookout for. I don't really want to play Derek Carr. I know I just said this game could be a sneaky shootout, and it might be. And you know what? Derek Carr could have a good game. But I have him ranked at QB 17. He's been so bad all season. Even when Jacobs and Devontae Adams have good games, it doesn't seem to matter. He's still terrible. And I don't know what to make of it, other than Josh Daniels, Derek Carr, is supposed to be a match made in heaven. Clearly it's not. Because QB17 means he has to be in my streaming conversation, but my conversation is, can I go anywhere else first? But what about you? Well, first of all, I've been calling this spade this spade for a long time now, and Derek Carr is Derek Carr. I kept beating that drum all offseason. People go saying, well, what if he has a different coach? What if it's different players? Devontae Adams. It didn't matter if he has Crabtree or Cooper. It didn't matter if he has Runfro or Darren Waller. It didn't matter if it's Gruden or whoever you want to throw and fill the names at. 
Derek Carr is Derek Carr. So is Kirk Cousins. They're going to do what they're going to do on their own terms in a sense. Now, the <laughs> thing I like about Derek Carr this week, though, is typically when he has a total stinker. Now, he's not been good this year, but he hasn't been that horrible like he was last week. Usually they have a bounce back and he plays well the following game. It is a good matchup. Jacksonville's defense has not been necessarily getting any pass rush or really turn the corner. The secondary is getting more beat up. So it is a get-right game. I can't see Devontae Adams being shut out. I can I can see Josh Jacobs being able to run the ball. I think Derek Carr can't screw it up. I don't you know, don't bank on it necessarily, but as you alluded to before, <laughs> there's not a lot of choices. I wouldn't hate if you have him in, in your lineup this week. So I had Trevor Lawrence ranked as my QB 30 last week, and I got him ranked all the way up at my QB 11 this week. Everyone's talking about how he's not looked good, how he hasn't looked like he's improved all that much. But from a fantasy standpoint, like it or not, Trevor Lawrence is actually QB 10 to this point in the season overall. Mind blown. I know. That's how ugly it is. However you want to break it down, I don't really care. Fact is, the guy's QB 10 right now, and the Raiders give up the most points to quarterbacks so far this season. That's why I got him as QB 11. I have him as a top streamer. If that's how you want to look at him, he's available on your waiver wires, but he's a top 12 quarterback, a low in QB one for me this week. Do you? Yeah. I mean, I don't disagree. I think the Raiders are one of the greatest great matchups for you to have. Trevor Lawrence has not been good, but you know, as alluded to somehow the numbers are still kind of okay. Excuse me. Um, there still should be okay versus the Raiders, regardless of kind of what he does. My only concern for Trevor Lawrence is he sucks for under pressure and if they're able to get Crosby or Taylor Jones ever going, you know, this would be terrible for him because he's not good with pressure. And that's the only thing I could say with for caveat against. And then I got Geno Smith coming into my QB 10. And again, you know, a similar analysis to the wide receivers. Yes, Arizona held him in check last time, but he's one of the few quarterbacks playing well right now and on a heavy bye week with his both of his guys back in the lineup and pre- presumably healthier than they were last week. I do have him as a top 10 quarterback. I think it's interesting. His efficiency is now more in line with the usage that he's having. And we had those couple of weeks or there's like three weeks there where he was lighting the fantasy world on fire. He was rushing for about 40, 50 yards. He stopped doing that. So that I do have some worries from that standpoint, but it should be a safe floor this week. It could go with worse options than Geno Smith. And that's why he's my top 10 guy. Yeah, I don't know necessarily about lighting the world on fire, but he was definitely doing good, and he had some you know, more t- production in touchdowns. I think the big difference is when the receivers got hurt, you kind of saw the production kind of not be as uh, there touchdown-wise, but the efficiency hasn't really declined. He's still completely 70% of his passes. He's kept, there was probably has one of the better floors in the NFL right now, and the offense, as we talked about before, has been able to move the ball, whether it's the running game or through the passing attack. So Geno Smith is necessarily the sexiest guy to have in your lineup, but is the guy that can have a good floor to have in your lineup this week. The commander backfield is just an absolute mess. So you got Brian Robinson and you got Antonio Gibson. I actually have Antonio Gibson ranked one spot in front of Brian Robinson right now. I don't know why it took getting a power runner to take the majority of the carries to then utilize Antonio Gibson the way they should have been utilizing him this entire time. But that's what's happened. The other part of this is that, well, Gibson's still the one scoring the touchdowns, whether by hook or by crook, however you want to look at it. J.D. McKissick may not play this week. So I have both these guys at RB3s, and I'm favoring Gibson a little bit. Am I crazy? No. And, look, I'll give you the answer when, you know, why they were doing that. Scott, Scott Turner is the offensive coordinator. He's a moron. That's pretty much simple as that. <laughs> um, but I think what you saw last week, 
as you know, as a result of that, he kind of we've seen this in previous regimes, the Rams more recently, the, before that was the Saints, where it's predictable based on your personnel what you're going to do. The guy who actually might catch the ball or be throwing the ball is harder for defenses to kind of prepare for. And guess what? Who's more effective right now? The guy who you don't necessarily have a guarantee what he's going to do because his role yeah. isn't guaranteed. Um, as a result, he probably is – he's being used how he's supposed to be in a sense. The guy's a weapon, not necessarily a great running back. So I think that you see him – I agree with you. He's definitely a, a guy I like with Rob Robinson. And let's be real. Unless Rob Robinson falls into the red zone, he sucks efficiency, efficiency-wise. There's nothing in the passing attack. So you're really hoping this game's a decently scoring game. Brian Robinson falls in the red zone because if he's not getting that touchdown, like, as you talked about, Gibson got, I don't know, Brian Robinson brings to the table. No, I agree with you. He is a touchdown or a bus RB3. Quick note for you, uh, Antonio Gibson was the RB20 the first four weeks of the season. He's been the RB21 the last four weeks of the season since Brian Robinson comes back, and that includes a week where he didn't get utilized the first week that Brian Robinson came back. That's so more just a little quick. Yeah, quick tidbit there. Uh, Elias, would you guys trade Cup, Mixon, Christian Kirk, and Justin Fields for Christian McCaffrey, D-Hop, and Godwin? Uh, my immediate answer is no, because I'm not trading Cooper Cup. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Shopify presents cool sheets from aha to lying awake while you bake isn't cool. I suffered from the wrong kind of hot in bed, heat induced insomnia. That was my aha moment. Bed sheets that keep you cool. Then I thought, how do I even sell bed sheets? That's when I had the idea that made it all possible. Signing up on Shopify. With the help of Shopify's intuitive online store creator, I started selling sustainable bamboo sheets that keep cool year-round. And my cool idea became a reality. Hot sleepers around the world rejoice. <laughs> Shopify makes it simple to keep your cool while starting and growing your business. Start selling with Shopify today and join the commerce platform powering millions of businesses worldwide. From aha to anything is possible. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22 shopify.com slash free 22. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I'm not trading Cooper cup for anything. And I am not really seeing, I understand you're getting more of the star potential, but as this year's kind of shown you that the depth is really key. Yeah, I, I tend, I tend to agree with that. Yeah. Even if Josh Allen, I'm not, I'm not giving up Cooper cup. When I, we have, you have number one quarterback, even number one receiver. I'm not giving that up. Uh, and you still have good running backs anyway. Let's move on to our lookout for wide receivers. So Adam Thielen, we got to talk about him. So right now, I do have him ranked as wide receiver 28 heading into this matchup. He's been the wide receiver 36 on the year. Years past, the analysis on him has been touchdown or bust, making him a wide receiver three every single week. Because if he scores a touchdown, he's probably going to finish the top 24. If he doesn't, he'll probably finish in the 40s or the 50s. Well, this year, he's actually wide receiver 36. He only has two touchdowns to his name thus far this point. 
Is he, first of all, does he get it turned around? And if he turns it around, is that the key to getting this Minnesota offense flying high? I do think he's getting turned in the corner since this guy been trying to add in fantasy over the last few weeks because I think that you've seen the volume kind of be consistent over the last few weeks. The problem has been he's not necessarily getting touchdowns that you talked about, but it's where the passes are coming. It's a lot of short yardage opportunities, a lot of quick passes. You know, Adam Thielen needs to be a little more involved down the field, a little bit more to become a consistent guy outside just a full point PPR. Um, the half point PPR, you're seeing the volume kind of saving the game where he's getting six or seven catches, but it's, you know, still minimal yards. I do like the opportunity for him. My concern is the trade this week and the kind of, you know, the focus on using Hawkinson and where that kind of might take away a red zone usage, but B the attention where it just seems, I love Kevin O'Connell, but it seems from week to week, he has no clue how to scheme for more than one guy per week. So if he's got two or three receivers that actually get involved, God help him. Yeah, I mean, it does. It's what it does, but it's sad, but it's it's what it looks like right now. (laughs) Another guy I want to highlight here in our lookout for segment was Terry McLaurin. So right now I got him as wide receiver 24. He's been the wide receiver eight since Tyler Taylor Heineke has taken over, which I have to be honest with you has surprised me with his skill set. I, and being that Curtis Samuel had been involved in this offense, I kind of thought he'd favor Curtis Samuel last year. He had McLaurin all by himself. And the best he could do is make him a wide receiver 25. He was a, he was a boomer bust, you know, big play guy. And that was it. There wasn't much floor to him either. So I'm surprised to see the usage through the two weeks now. They got a nice matchup here against Minnesota, which is why I got him as a wide receiver 24, and I feel confident in playing him. But, Chris, my question to you is this. Do you not want to see Carson Wentz come back now for Terry McLaurin's sake? I don't necessarily not want to see Carson Wentz come back for Terry McLaurin's sake, but I wasn't necessarily down Tyler Henneke. I know last year it wasn't good, but people kind of seem to forget the year before when Tyler Henneke came in, he featured the pepper the hell out of Terry McLaurin as a target. Usually, and you know I've talked about this before on previous shows, that when a younger guy comes in, the quarterback or an unknown guy kind of comes to the first new quarterback, his first read, that receiver one, is usually the guy who's going to be his first target. And he's going to look for him. A la Cooper Rush with you know, C.D. Lamb. C.D. Lamb didn't suffer necessarily when Rush took over the quarterback. Other guys fell off the bucket face, face of the map. But as a result, because you're that number one, and the coaches seem to actually try to get you the ball as a one receiver. They actually coach. You know, look how it happens to when backup quarterbacks come into play. But I think you see both of the things benefit Terry McLaurin. And when Carson Wentz comes back, the key also has been Dotson's been out. So the consolidation of targets, once again, has helped Terry McLaurin. And I think Terry McLaurin has kind of shown and reminded that Washington team, I am your best player. So I think the Washington team and his coaching staff in particular knows that their jobs are on the line and maybe you want to use your best player. Rondo Moore comes in at wide receiver 30 for me, assuming – they don't do what they did last time they played Seattle and just keep his little button slot where it belongs. He should be okay, right? <laughs> well, they will keep his little button slot. That's one thing. I have no idea what Robbie Anderson is going to bring to the table. I'm guessing what A.J. Green did for the last two years. That's just my yeah, theory. Just a younger version of that. That's all. I agree. <laughs> um, but what it does help guarantee is they will not misplace Rondell Moore any longer. Kingsbury cannot screw it up. And... What I love about Rondell Moore and where he has right now the slot receiver, people remember the beginning of the season where Greg Dortch was kind of a guy you could actually have on your fantasy team because he was getting pepper targets. Right. Because he was a short underneath guy. With Hopkins being your primary read for, you know, Kyler Murray, who doesn't watch tape, obviously, and can't read defenses. He just knows where DeAndre Hopkins is and then where to go after that. So DeAndre Hopkins isn't open. Then he looks close. There's Rondell Moore. 
So then everything is great again. So for us, I think there are a lot more owners or for people who have, you know, John Hopkins, it's going to be great days again. Kyler Murray overall, Arizona rest of players, I don't know. But Ronald Moore should be a guy winning a lineup again this week. Uh, you look at the tight end position and you're just looking for anything. A name we don't usually have inside the top 12 that I do this week is Evan Ingram. That's why it comes to my lookout for a segment. And again, they're playing the Raiders. Uh, let's get into our Be Cautious Up because it'll be real, real fast for these guys that we got to talk about real quickly. Be Cautious of Hunter Renfro comes in at my wide receiver 60. He has done absolutely nothing. Apparently, the only guy who can get the ball in the pass attack is Devontae Adams, and that is it. And then Logan Thomas. I have such high hopes for Logan Thomas, but I just think from a health standpoint, he's never going to get to where he needs to be in order to be effective. Anything on those two? Yeah, Renfro still got to get healthier, too. I think that's kind of some part you saw last week. And Logan Thomas, I 100% agree with you. He has the probably the biggest beneficiary of Tyler Henneke being in the quarterback right now. If he could get healthy, he'd be actually a great fantasy option, but he can't seem to do that right now. All right, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back on the other side, we got three more matchups to talk about on the Clairvoyant Thursday. So everybody stay tuned to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We'll be back. Right after this. Football is back, baby. And our new sponsor, True Classic, wants you to look and feel your best even after a couple of brewskis or going full force on your fantasy football draft. Sure, it's football season, but it's also butt the couch season. Luckily, True Classic has the absolute best-fitting clothing a man can buy. Snug in the arms and chest with a little extra space in the torso, their t-shirts are designed to keep you cozy and highlight your best assets no matter what you're up to. So if your special someone is upset that you're watching football all day, at least you can look good doing it. True Classic has already helped over 2 million men find a perfect fit at an affordable price. Our listeners get access to the best deal they offer. For a limited time only, get 25% off with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at trueclassic.com. Almost all men's t-shirts are designed to look good on skinny models with six-packs, but most of us aren't packing anything but a few beers. Fellas, you are wearing the wrong clothes. True classic tees taper off towards the bottom, but they fit tighter around the chest and shoulders. It's time to highlight your best attributes with a t-shirt you can always confidently throw on. It's about time to get your fit together, so upgrade your wardrobe with True Classic and get 25% off at trueclassic.com with promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Free shipping included on purchases over $100. That's 25% off at trueclassic.com with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. If there's one bet you should make this football season, it's on True Classic. True Classic, look good, feel good. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Welcome back in to a clairvoyant Thursday here on the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Thanks for tuning in live on our YouTube channel. Please subscribe. That way you get notified when we have new content available. You can also check us out live on bellyup.tv. If you want to stay up to date with the show on the go, all you got to do is download us on your favorite podcast app and give us a five-star review. Oh, by the way, we're on demand, too, on your LG, Samsung, Roku, and Amazon Fire TV devices when you download the Foxy Network app. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. I'm joined here with Chris Dalhauer, and we got three more matchups to talk about for our second half 
week nine preview. So, Chris, how about we just go ahead and dive into that? Obvious starters. Welcome back, Captain Obvious. Yes, I am. We got the Rams against the Bucks. We got the Titans against the Chiefs and the Ravens against the Saints on Monday night. So obviously you're starting Patrick Mahomes. He comes as my QB two against the Tennessee Titans. Obviously you're starting Lamar Jackson. And I do emphasize the obvious. I know it's been rough. I know he's not doing what we want him to do. He's been the QB 13 since week four. But outside of a Josh Allen, uh, Mahomes, uh, Jalen Hurts, nobody has the ceiling that he does. And if he's going to struggle the way that he has and still poke out, you know, QB 13 numbers, well, then he still man- manages to have his floor. Just got to get a little bit better. Are you worried about Lamar Jackson the rest of the way, though, Chris? Yes and no. I'm not worried in the sense of what you're getting for this year. As you talked about, like, you know, when it comes to guys having actual consistent production, even if you're finishing 13 it's actually the consistently finishing 13. It's not 30. It's not 29, where some of these guys are all over the place. Lamar was good and has been an average. That's pretty much what you've been dealing with as a fantasy quarterback owner with, you know, with him this year. So I don't love the upside that I've seen so far. And I do have some concerns about that with Bateman being injured. Mark Andrews is now banged up. Greg Roman continues to do a horrible job of coaching this offense. Um, Dobbins, I don't want to be back anytime soon. The explosiveness of his offense is definitely lacking. And being put a lot on Lamar, unless Lamar decides to kind of put it on his shoulders and starts running the ball a lot more often, consistently, week in, week out, I don't know if his fantasy numbers are going to be kind of the elite ceiling that we used to see from Lamar Jackson the rest of this season. That, what you said right there, is why I'm not concerned. Because I think it's inevitable that he's going to have to. Lamar's got to prove why he wants the contract that he wants going into the next season. And right now, because to your point, they don't have any explosive offensive weapons, and it's not 35-year-old Deshaun Jackson, spoiler alert, he's going to have to take it upon himself to run more. And I think we're about to see that real soon, especially now with Gus Edwards possibly missing this game too. Kenyon Drake is, is toast my goats. Let's not even, let's not even get into that. Uh, how about Derrick Henry? So assuming Derrick Henry can go, he's my RB2 on the week. Obviously, you're starting him. Obviously, you're starting Alvin Kamara. Look what Kamara can do when Taysom Hill doesn't steal all his stinking touchdowns. You know, and I will put this out there. They can both score. It doesn't have to be one or the other all the time. I'll just put that out there. But Kamara shows he's a dominant force. He's looked great ever since he's gotten over his rib injury. So as long as his legal things stay out of it, I think Kamara's here to stay. But, Chris, are we going to go back to, well, Taysom Hill gets three touchdowns, Kamara can't, and therefore he's limited. I don't know if those are, that's going to come back, and I do worry about that. It seems to be a kind of an issue for the last couple of years, even when Taysom Hill was kind of the quarterback or was, you know, the different guy for Sean Payton all those different seasons. You know, Kamara having like a big game, like one year he had six touchdown runs, for example, because you were basically getting chipped week in, week out, was it Taysom Hill or someone else stealing some of your touchdown opportunities. That would probably continue to happen in some kind of form. But what you do like, as long as Andy Dalton's been the quarterback, they actually throw the ball to Alvin Kamara, and that's what matters to me the most. Because once you put the ball in his hands enough times, the guy's going to do something with it, and he probably will score a touchdown for you at some point. So I'm excited about the explosives I've seen Alvin Kamara starting to show more and more over the last season's kind of progressed. And I'm definitely excited about the volume he's seen because he's actually being involved in passing attacks. Yeah, ding, ding, ding. As long as Dalton is back there, Kamara actually gets to catch the ball. I don't know what Winston's problem is, but he wasn't doing it. And I'll add another caveat in there. 
with Mark Ingram out of the way, there's nobody to rotate in annoyingly for absolutely no reason throughout the game right now, too. So sky's the limit for like the next month of the season for Kamara. Obviously, you're starting Cooper Cup if he's good to go. He's a wide receiver one. Obviously, you're starting Travis Kelsey. And then I still have Mark Andrews as my tight end, too. If he plays, I know the last two weeks have not been great with him banged up. I get it. But if he plays, you can't bench him. No, I guess he can. So you probably are going to play him. But I am definitely would be a little bit worried, especially talked about the last two weeks, and this last week in particular, where the Ravens team just seemed desperate. I'm not really sure why. Put out Bateman out there. Put out Alex Andrews out there. Put out Gus Edwards. And guess what? All three are banged up now still. Yeah, it really unfortunate. I will say this. I don't know if he's still available right now, but we did talk about on the primetime recap in the waiver saver segment, uh, well, not segment, episode on Tuesday nights. I was like, look, you guys got to pick up Isaiah Likely. If you have Mark Andrews, you have to pick up Isaiah Likely because you're going into a Monday night game. You're not going to know. If you have Likely, then you're good. Or maybe pick up a Juwan Johnson or something like that if he's available. But make sure you have an option to give yourself that window. And neither one of them, I mean, likely is really good if Andrews is out. But even Juwan Johnson, it's a fine pickup and play just to give yourself the option heading into Monday Night Football if need be, if we don't get news before that. Let's get into our lock em ins for this matchup. Lock em in. It's a lock. I'm still locking Leonard Fournette into my lineup. I know it hasn't been great. But he's still the lead back. He still gets a lot of volume, generally speaking. Last week, at least, he bails you out with a touchdown. And the uses with Rashad White has been very hit or miss from a week-to-week basis, too. Remember, they signed Leonard Fournette to a three-year contract. So unless he gets injured, they're not going to look for Rashad White to usurp Leonard Fournette this season, no matter how ugly it gets, right? I wouldn't say no matter what, I think if the season gets out of control, they will look for play for the future. And for that, they can get out of his deal after this year, even though it was a three-year deal. Um, but having said that, I'm looking to do so because we all know the reason he got that deal was because Tom Brady returned. Tom Brady's the reason that he's even out in the game. Whether he does anything or not, Tom Brady wants him out there, he'll be out there. He will continue to probably see some of his touches getting you know eaten away because he's been so inefficient. But luckily for him, nobody's been efficient for that type of A team, particularly in the running attack. So he's just had that down lock pack for him. I think attack's been kind of all over the place with him and Rashad White. But as you alluded to, as long as he can fall in the red zone, he should have been, you know some kind of floor. I don't love him, but as to me, he's a, the perfect RB2, RB3 right now where he's just having a lap and just kind of just do, just put him in there and just close your eyes and look on Monday or <laughs> Sunday or Monday. My, uh, my next three lock him in wide receivers. I'm not really uberly excited about any of their ceilings. And they don't make me light up inside. But their volume, their floors are tremendous. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Chris Olave. All three of them inside my top 16 this week. Look, we know the volume is there for Evans and Godwin. They have safe floors every single week. The same thing for Chris Olave. And now that we know Mike Thomas is going to be out for the rest of the season, he's good to go as number one receiver for the Saints the rest of the way. Do you have... Any concerns for these guys, or I'll put it to you this way too, do you think there's any room for improvement down the road for any of these guys? Olave, I think, could definitely continue to kind of ascend to a true number receiver one, depending on what happens Jarvis Landry. If he's going to be you know, out for a continued extended period of time, you talk about Jawan John, Stato, Taysom Hill, Alvin Kamara, the passing attack's very limited, and what's been kind of an advantage for Chris Olave is some of the other guys they have on that roster, some of the younger guys like Sheed and some, like Kevin White, they're guys who are going down the field. They're the big play guys, which is Chris Lave's kind of cup of tea. 
but it's allowed him to kind of run more shorter routes. Some of the things we saw with Thomas run and some of the things Jarvis Landry are running. So as a result, I think he has a better floor. I think you might actually see him becoming a very good guy to have in your week, week in, lineup, week in, week out. You know, borderline receiver two option, receiver two definite option, borderline receiver one option, I think. Um, and then when I think we look at other guys, I have a little bit more caution. Um, I, I don't, I should say I should look at other guys with a little more caution, but I have a little, I, I love Chris Olave versus the Ravens, but I just kind of cons- concerned that he doesn't have the ceiling per se. Um, they do usually do a good job of kind of taking away one of the receivers. It's, you know, who will it be? The Saints don't have a whole lot of other receivers kind of involved, so it could be definitely for him to eat. And the rest of the guys I think are good plays. Mike Evans, to me, is the one I would wish had a higher upside. It's basically Tom Brady him just don't seem to be quite on the same page. But Mike Evans has a fantastic matchup, and Mike Evans has been seeing a decent amount of targets the last couple of weeks. If they just continue to actually throw the ball more than 10 yards in the field, Mike Evans could have to have a really big week this week. Okay, I, and I tend to agree. Uh, Cooper Stone asking, should I trade Saquon for Dalvin and C.D. Lamb? I mean, that's, that's nice value. You know what? Yeah, I probably would do that deal. What about you, Chris? I would do that deal. Although, Saquon Barkley's been amazing. And I was talking about earlier, we wouldn't trade Cooper Cup. But there are some holes to kind of be concerned about when it comes to Saquon. Number one is injury history. Number two, this giant offense is not is him. So, as a result, I kind of have concerns. Can he hold, the, hold up the whole rest of the season? You saw Seattle really key on kind of lock him down a little bit last week. You can't stop Saquon Barkley, but having T.D. Lamb and Dalvin Cook I like the upside because they really have both. Neither guys really seen their ceiling yet this year. No, that's valid too. And then Peter, he asked, I just traded Montgomery for Patterson in non PPR. And he wants our thoughts on the matter. Uh, my thought is that you, you look, I know Herbert is, is gaining steam, but David Montgomery is still dominating in overall snaps, overall touches. He's just a safer floor player. I love Patterson. I love his explosive ability. I was big on Patterson this draft season. Chris, you know this. It was higher than anybody in the ECR. But I would feel better with David Montgomery moving forward than I do with Patterson, who's got a tendency to get hurt. What do you think? I think he just kind of made a lateral move, so I don't necessarily love this move. I, don't, I tend to agree with you, Dan, where I, I trust David Montgomery as the bell cow more per se. Um, having said that, we know that you know when it comes to both teams, no matter what the score is, um, they're not going to necessarily throw the ball. The Bears actually are trending to having actually have more weapons and may actually throw the ball more because they have those last few weeks without those new weapons. While Atlanta has the weapons and just seems not want to run the ball or do anything but run the ball. So Cornell Patterson probably has a nice safe floor. Definitely has some explosion. We saw that this year, but I'd be a little more cautious of, you know, even Montgomery's guy, I would just give up in a sense. So I don't really want to kind of poo-poo either way, but I, I'm not going to love the move because it's steaming. I don't move a lot of ways. Yeah, I agree. Uh, our last uh, lock him in player at the tight end position is Tyler Higby. I have him as a tight end 10. Now, last week, he did run less routes. One of the things I was a little bit worried about. He had 40 snaps and only 15 routes, but he got six targets on those 15 routes. So when he did go out there, he would, Matthew Stafford was looking for him, and they got another really nice matchup for tight ends this week, the Rams do. So, I'm locking him in as a top 10 play against Tampa Bay Bucks. You might keep me within the numbers here because it's number 10 with all the buys that are going on and just the sheer opportunity that tight ends are so pathetic usually that he could be a top 10. I don't like the matchup this week, particularly because of the Van Jefferson returning. As I talked about, you know, Kevin Kyle struggling to get multiple targets involved. 
you kind of alluded to Sean McVay struggling with the same kind of deal. Well, here we go. We got Al Robinson kind of used last week, and he had five catches. What happened to Tyler Higby? Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Start a journey. Not a fad. Kick off your fitness journey with up to $500 off Peloton Bike, Bike Plus, or Tread Packages. Choose the package that will take your training to the next level with accessories like our cycling shoes, heart rate band, non-slip grip dumbbells, and more. Join now and you'll see why 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All access membership separate. Offer ends January 8th, 2023. Excludes Bike, Bike Plus, and Tread Basics. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. Uh, now that we're going to have another receiver in Van Jefferson, who's a receiver three, so we actually move to more three receiver sets. Will he actually continue to be you know, involved in that he has been? I would tend to think there's a good chance he could because their offensive line is still pathetic and Matthew Stafford looks for tight ends. But I do think Sean McVay will try to look to get some other receivers involved, and therefore I do kind of question how high I'm excited I am about this week. Yeah, um, and then that's why I put up the graphic just to show you what the other names are. Around uh, like it. I said, that's why I said you got me on number <laughs> 10, so... <laughs> so I, I try to finish my point, but yeah. <laughs> no, I had to save concern. Look, I said coming out of the bye week, the the only way they can improve it all is if they improve the offensive line or improve the blocking. And the only way you can do that is if you have Tyler Higby block more. Well, some of the receivers coming back to your point and Higby showing that last week, that was the case. What what got me though ultimately is that when he did run routes, Stafford was still looking for him. So that's where we still have kind of a safe floor to go off of that. He'll be in my top 10 this week. It's a good match against Tampa Bay. And if he starts to block more again this week, then he'll slowly come out of that, especially as we get more teams off of bye. But let's go into our lookout for. Lookout for. All right, Brady. So I got him at QB 13 this week. That makes him a top streaming option. We can go through this all again. The weapons are there. The volume's there. The talent is there. The coaching is lost, and the players seem lost. Does this thing get corrected or not? If it was a different opponent, I think I'd be excited for that chance to happen. But, Dan, correct me if I'm wrong. Other than the way the 49ers own Seattle, the Rams have been owning Tom Brady and Tampa Bay Buccaneers for the last couple of years, particularly last year. It was not even close. Tampa Bay was this hot team. Rams were not the hot team, and they ran into a buzzsaw. I haven't seen this Tampa Bay team kind of step up their game over the last few years, so I'm still worried that the Rams have, you know, should lose on paper, but this game's going to be ugly somehow, some way, I feel like, and I swear I don't love Tom Brady necessarily to kind of rebound yet. Yeah. The Rams defense, hasn't, Rams defense hasn't been bad. And that's why I got my QB 13. That's why he's not in my top 12. As far as it rebounding at some point this season, everything logically tells me it should. But this is a team that just looks, they just look lethargic. There's no other way to put it. They look lethargic. Maybe now the divorce is over. Maybe Tom Brady is able to snap out of it or only focus on football, not focus on anything else. I, I don't know. Uh, 
I can't drop him. I can't bring myself to drop him because I know the talent's there. I know the volume's there, but I don't want to start him. So do with that what you will. If you're in one quarterback leagues, you, you might need to make a move. Would you drop him? No, I would definitely wouldn't drop him because as you you know you show the different things and the quarterback options that we have right now. Tom Brady's still a guy who's probably going to finish in the top ten week in week out because of the sheer volume that you talked about. It might not be efficient with Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, and the receivers that they have and the running attack that's not there. They're going to keep throwing the ball week in week out. You know, it's it'll just be two hundred ninety three hundred yards. It might only be a touchdown or two. It might only lead to fourteen sixteen points. Tom Brady's going to be the part of that. And if you have him in your lineup, it's probably a safer floor than you're going to get for a lot of other guys. Yeah, unfortunately. Uh, let's talk about uh, Gus Edwards a little bit. So if Edwards plays, I really did like him this week because the Saints defense is not the same defense. Here's where I'll throw Kenyon Drake into the mix. Drake will probably be sniffing my top 24. If I take Gus Edwards out to project him, probably I'll keep him at my RB3 range. Are you gonna are you gonna play him as a flex play? Would you play him as an RB three or or just does he just toast McGoats and you want nothing to do with him? Look, I don't know how he's averaging the yards per carry. He is like it's like he got like five carries last week and had sixty or seventy yards somehow. And I'm like, how the hell is Kenny Drake doing this? <laughs> I think it's mostly because everybody in the world's just like paying attention to Lamar and because he's a little bit faster than Mike Davis and anybody who runs with Mike Davis would could do this. I like guys I words as a value. I do worry about the injury part and they're not playing, you know, that's still not kind of practicing. Um, I'm not starting Drake this week. And I'll give you a reason why. That's because, you know, it doesn't necessarily pass the eye test to what he brings to the table. But because on the other part of the eye test, the Saints defense is kind of turning a corner too, in my opinion, as has the offense a little bit. And the team's kind of settling into their groove. Defense looked pretty good last week. It got some pressure. It was stopping their run. And if they can kind of get back on track, I know a lot of more is out. You could definitely kind of still throw the ball on them. But if they can get back on track like they usually are, the Saints are usually typically a hard team to run the ball against. They didn't lose any linebackers. They lose defensive linemen. They kind of got back on track last week, hopefully, or possibly. So for me, I have a little bit of caution where I know it's a nice matchup. People look at the Saints like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get involved in this one. But I think it might get burnt because the Saints aren't the same defense they were a couple weeks ago. Uh, we got a question coming in from Val's the GOAT. I traded Amon Ross, St. Brown, Swift, and Tom Brady, and Adam Thielen. For Mahomes, Jonathan Taylor, and Amari Cooper. Good job. God bless you. You swindled whoever it is that you traded for that. Uh, Our next question coming in from Griffin. Do you think Akers can take over the Rams' backfield? Yes. Okay, well, Chris, this is what I'm going to say to you. There's taking over, and it's actually being productive, and that's two separate questions in my mind. Do I think he could take over? Yeah, I think that's the only way they can actually ease things over with how things have went and now wanting him back. Do I think it matters? Do I think it means he's getting plus 15 carries a game? No, I don't. What about you? I'm going to say but he might get a game where he gets 15 carries in a game, but good luck guessing when that's going to be. The fact that they had Reggie Rivers out there last week, just tell you all you need to understand about Cam Akers and what the hell has happened in his backfield. I would not touch this Rams backfield unless – there's like five guys get injured and they have no choice but to play one of them. Uh, we got two more questions and then we'll get back to it. Uh, emergency wide receiver, full point PPR. I won't have Michael Thomas or Keenan Allen. Hey, Chris, I don't have Keenan Allen. You don't have Michael Thomas. This is right up our alley. Which two should I start between Drake London, DeAndre Carter, and Paris Campbell? Uh, for me, it's easy. It's Drake London and it's DeAndre Carter. What about you, Chris? 
I'm going to go with a little bit different where I, I like um, Campbell more than I like Carter. Based but on I agree with the, what? Uh, based on the, the attack. Now, we saw Campbell being a heavily featured battle Matt Ryan, and the assumption is that this offense is going to kind of change because St. Alexander is a quarterback. I don't know why it's the assumption. St. Alexander is more mobile, so he can run a little bit more, but he's still going to throw a bunch of five-yard passes. Paris Campbell is usually the beneficiary of that. Now, we saw Pittman get involved last week, but we saw Paris Campbell have two catches, I think, 30-something yards. He was third in well, target two share. Targets. Yeah, a, a third on target share. They only threw the ball 20-something times. Um, I just don't think that he's going to be the second guy. I think he's been the third guy in the fiddle, I should say. And last week it was Pierce was the second guy who was the most targeted guy. If you can kind of replace those targets with Pierce, I think Campbell has some value and has a better floor. Carter's all over the place. I mean, I know that the idea is that King Allen's out, that, you know, they're going to have Mike Williams out. But what did he do last week? Palmer's kind of the beneficiary. I don't know if Carter – I like Carter's talent. It's just, will he actually be the guy? They have Eckert. They have Eckler. They have Everett. They have other guys that kind of utilize in their passing attack. I don't know if he's necessarily going to be a clear-cut guy to be featured. Well, Eckler's banged up now, too, with a, with a abdominal issue uh, today in practice. <laughs> At, uh, DeAndre Carter, yes, he's boomer bust, for, without a doubt. But I have inside my top 36 this week because the ceiling is astronomically higher than a Paris Campbell because, to your point, they only threw the ball 20 times. I think that's what changes with this offense. I just think there's not going to be a lot of volume there for the receivers to eat, period. Give me the guy who actually has some upside can hit the big play in DeAndre Carter um, because you're already playing Drake London who has to deal with an offense that only throws the ball 20 sub times on top of it. So it's just a lot of guys with not a lot of volume yeah, there. I'm just saying, I wouldn't want to shoot myself just watching that game and getting nothing in that. Either that score, part, score part we're, we're, we're 100% <laughs> agreement on. Uh, one more question, we'll get back to it. Uh, Suave JP, 10-man PPR, 6-2. and two. He goes through his whole roster and asks, uh, do I trade one of my running backs for Jonathan Taylor for late season upside? If so, who? Oh, I feel confident to win this week. No, um, no. You have Ken Walker. You have Travis Etienne. You have DeAndre Swift. You have Nick Chubb. DeAndre Swift is your late season upside guy. Like that, that you already have that on your roster. Why trade it for Jonathan Taylor for an offense that looking like it could potentially just completely implode on itself? What do you think? Also, not healthy. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. Jonathan Taylor hasn't been healthy the last few weeks. There's questions he can play this week, and as if the season goes down the tubes. Why are you going to run Jonathan Taylor out there week in, week out if you're the Colts? Uh, we do have more questions coming in. Keep them coming in. We'll get to them throughout the show, but we do have to move on here just for a little while. Juju Smith-Schuster, look out for. He comes into my top 20, Chris, and it feels gross. It feels very disgusting. But I can't ignore the last two games that they had before the bye week, and I can't ignore the match against the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, I'm not going to argue strongly either way. Juju Smith-Schuster is a guy, I, I know that he's you know the guy that's been the most productive for the Chiefs as of recent. Wake me up when it matters. The Chiefs receivers week in, week out, and Green Bay receivers matter week in, week out. Like I said, it didn't feel good, but it can't be ignored right now for me. Uh, Devin Duvernay comes into my wide receiver 27, and now we know he's got rest of season value with Rashad Bateman out. I think he's a fine plug-and-play as a, as a wide receiver three, as a flex play. Look, so far this year, he's been the wide receiver 37. He's He's been just outside the top 36 to begin with. And now we know he has to be the guy. Well, I hope we know he has to be the guy. You know, Robinson led the team in targets last week, who's kind of featured more so when Bateman went out. Um, Duvray's been kind of consistently having a floor where he's been involved one way or another, with been handing the ball, throwing the ball. But you haven't really seen a highlight of targets. 
and maybe being heavily involved in passing the attack week in, week out. So that's where a little more interpretation. I don't argue to is a good play to have. Definitely guy you want to add to your roster. But I actually think the, week, the play to have, if you're going to go with this week in particular, is likely. I think I agree with you. Likely is the best probably handcuff you could have in the head position. And to me, that's the guy that I would think would have more of the upside. Um, Duvray's can kind of continue to do what he's been doing. I know Kate Otten burned me last week, and I don't have him inside my top 18, but if you're desperate looking for tight end streamers, I still think he gets the target share, again, with Cameron Braid still out. Yeah, keep throwing him out there. Look, I think he got burned by everybody but Godwin and Mike Evans if he went, he played him with Kent Bay last Valid. week. So that's kind of the reality of what happened how it worked out for you. But Kate Otten has been kind of featured in their passing attack because they don't have Russell Gage healthy. They don't really have a third receiver stepping up and kind of showing out. Julio returned, but Julio's going to continue to kind of be limited as he's out there. So I think Kate Otten is going to continue to be that guy as a young guy. So there's no reason to kind of face him out as the season progresses, no matter what. I like Kate Otten. I like him this week as well. And Taysom Hill is at my trusty dandy uh, 11 spot. He'll always be in that between 11 and 13 spot because it's just a reflection of what he could do and what he might not do. And that's pretty much all we can say about that. So let's get to a few questions before we get into our be cautious of for these matchups. As we're running in here, all right, we got uh, Actison. I'm guessing that's your name here. Seven and one currently with Chubb on a bye, half point PPR. I have two running backs and a flex at running back. Should I start Jamal Williams, David Montgomery, Deion Jackson? I'm assuming that is, and or Khalil Herbert. Also have a flex. Could I would start another running back or Dobbs? Uh, I'm starting Williams. I'm starting Montgomery, and I'm starting Deion Jackson. And that's what I'm going to go with as far as those top three, in my opinion, for these matchups coming up. Yeah, I want to percent echo with you. I look at the teams when he has the options. I like those three guys still. Well. Uh, next one, Chaka just traded DK Metcalf and Antonio Gibson for Jefferson win or loss. I call that a win. I think it's an absolute win. Look, I love DK Metcalf, but I was one of the few guys defending him offseason and still have great value. But I have no question Just Jefferson's better than receiver to have this year. Blur Pay, welcome back. He was here uh, last night. Should I trade Kenyon Drake and Antonio Gibson for Keenan Allen? My running backs are stacked, and I only have three receivers. Amon Ra, D-Hop, and Pittman. Running backs, Cook, Henry, Kamara. At, yeah, Jesus. Yeah, go ahead. If you could trade Drake and Antonio Gibson, go get Keenan Allen. I suspect at some point this year he'll be back and healthy, maybe in time for your fantasy playoffs. Yeah, I agree. And don't list Pachero as your running back options, but yeah, I agree with the rest of the things Dan pointed out. <laughs> Suave JP, what do we think about Derrick Henry and Mark Andrews for Kelsey and Swift have Pitts as well? Well, Pitts is a non-factor. Let's get real here. Uh, yes, I would. No, actually, you know what? I would not do that deal. I would not do that deal because I don't know when Swift's going to be healthy and back. I do think Andrews will be healthier at some point, And right now it still hasn't even cost him time. So, no, I would not do that deal. Yeah, I am not trading Derrick Henry at all, number one, but I, I can avoid doing so. And Mark Andrews was number one where he's tight end last year. I know Travis Kelsey's kind of bounced back, to, but it's not been a huge separation. As Dan kind of alluded to, Travis, you know, Andrews is going to get healthy eventually. I don't know if Swift ever will or ever be the, necessarily the bell cow. Derrick Henry, no doubt, is the bell cow and Tennessee offense. And last question before we get to our Be Cautious of segment. What do we think about Patrick Mahomes and Drake London for Lamar Jackson and Kyle Pitts with Rashid out? Uh, I'm sticking with Patrick Mahomes and Drake London in this instance. I trust Mahomes' floor-to-ceiling ratio right now, where we're still looking and wondering when Lamar will get things turned around. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. Look, I understand if you're in a tight end or league that you know it's hard to find tight ends, and Pitts is definitely appealing because the upside you're seeing there, you saw kind of bounce by protection last week. 
But we've seen this reduction in passing attack to go all over the place. London was a good couple of weeks ago, you know, then disappeared. We even see guys like um, Zacchaeus now is involved. And so who knows what their passing attack is going to be from week to week. I think that Pitts is kind of exciting, tempting, but I would keep, I would start, I would start hold and keep what I have. We don't even know if they're going to bother with a passing attack from week to week. All exactly. right, let's get to our be cautious of. Be cautious of. Be cautious of Matthew Stafford. Yeah, Arthur Smith. You can be cautious of Arthur Smith, too, while you're at it. And be cautious of Andy Dalton. I mean, Dalton is one of the guys who's been kind of flirting with that streaming quarterback territory. I'm warning everybody this now. The Roquan Smith deal, and I don't know what impact it'll have the first week, but that Roquan Smith deal to the Baltimore Ravens, I think that defense is going to be looking a lot different moving forward. I definitely think it will help because I think Queen's terrible, and I think they're actually kind of, you know, waves the red flag on that, so to speak. But it doesn't necessarily help with the big plays in the passing attack. And Andy Dalton and the Saints in particular have been really good at exploiting big plays. I mean, it's surprising, but Andy Dalton, the ref, you know, Red Rocket, um, Red Rifleman, I should say, has been able to like, pretty much prolific. It wasn't just Winston and his like, broken back throwing the ball down the field. This is a Saints thing they've been doing all year long, and they've been seeing guys get big plays. And the Ravens have been hemorrhaging big plays all season long. So until I see that change, I think Andy Dalton still got a kind of a safe floor in a sense because they bound to break something. And Robert Kress, what's good, he's not a great coverage guy, so it doesn't help with Alvin Kamara. So I, I don't know if I still think that you're going to see the changes happening yet this week for the Ravens. Yet this week for the Ravens. Uh, I'm not playing the Rams running backs. I don't care who it is. And I'm not playing Kansas City running backs because that's also a full-blown committee right now. I don't care who's listed as a starter. The fact is, it's a three-man rotation. You're Whoever you do play, if you want to try to play somebody, you're just hoping that th- you pick the right guy on the roulette table to end up with the fluky touchdown. Otherwise, I don't know what kind of value you're going to get, so I'm staying away from both of these backfields. I, I definitely say I'm going to Rams backfield because you have no idea who can kind of be the more alpha in the sense of the back guys. I go with the Chiefs because the Chiefs actually score points while the Rams don't. And therefore, CHE, while he doesn't have the volume everybody loves, he's been having decent production, and the floor is not always what you would hope it to be necessarily, but somehow, some way, you do usually get something. So if the guys I'm going to start, CHE is probably a decent option this week, particularly as all the buys over and over again you know, on the show. I think he could be an RB2, RB3 option. CEH, Chris. That's why I was laughing. Jeez, I'm sorry. <laughs> You're not wrong about that. I mean, he's the one guy who's flirting with my top 36 area because of the touchdowns that he has seemingly gotten. But again, it's very, very fluky with the usage that they've had with all three running backs. I'm not starting Allen Robinson. I'm not starting Van Jefferson, although I will have my eye to see if Sean McVay decides to use these guys. And last, of course, but certainly not least, we haven't really got a chance to talk about this yet. Kadarius Toney. He gets traded to the Kansas City Chiefs. We don't expect anything this week, and not that you would start him this week. But rest of season, Chris, I, I we talked about this a little bit when the trade first happened because it, hap- it happened on the day that we, we went live a couple Thursdays ago. And my original answer to you was that I think this was a move to get him ready for the NFL playoffs. And I, I still stand by that being the ultimate goal, of course. But I just feel like there's actual urgency to get Contarius Doney involved just based on the narrative coming out of the Chiefs organization. Do you feel the same way? Uh, I don't know. I feel like there's an urgency. I, I mean, look, Andy Reid's going to give lots of people lip service. And I talked about this on Tuesday's show as well on Black Fantasy Live. We've heard all kinds of hype when Josh Gordon came in, Le'Veon Bell came in, LaShawn McCoy came in. 
And when they all do what when they get to Kansas City? And it's a thing that we hear week in week. I think it's more of excitement for the you know, fantasy people and the, the media than is actually reality. Kutrinius really has a lot of upside potential. He's played like two games in his NFL career so far. And as for the Chiefs, they have a lot of fast guys. Kutrinius was fast, great. They haven't necessarily always like kind of been you know, the boon for everybody. So Harbin's going to be the guy who when people's rosters are, you know, or guys looking for a week in, week out. He does the reverse routes. He does some of the things that you're probably going to see Tony be involved in early on, particularly as he learns playbook. Because remember, guys, you hear this a lot. Kansas City playbook's hard to learn. Um, so if that's really the case. I don't think Tony's going to be a guy that they're going to try to get out there too fast. And Juju's kind of the guy he's going to be being groomed to replace eventually. Um, and that could be the playoffs when you need more explosion, or that could be next year. But I don't necessarily think Tony's the guy that they're looking to make sure they have to get you or you as a fantasy owner have to get in your lineup this week. I like that too. One last question and we'll call it a show since we had so many questions. We're not going to bother doing a mailbag segment. And I really appreciate you guys all that tuned in tonight and asked us those questions. Uh, one last question though from Suave JP. Lamar and Pitts for Mahomes and CD is robbery, right? And the answer is for me, yes. I'm sorry. Can you repeat that one more time? It's, he's asking about, uh, Lamar and Pitts for Mahomes and CD Lamb. Yes, that's robbery. Yep. Uh, he tried to squeeze one more in here. Fine. Are you guys 100% on Mark Andrews and Derek Henry over? Yes, I am. We are 100% on that. All right, guys, it's going to do it for the show today. Make sure you come back tomorrow for the Catching Friday show at 10 p.m. We'll talk about our DraftKings tournament. We have the Wheel of Names because it is the first of the month, so that means we have an October winner to award that Jameson Williams Alabama signed jersey to. And we also have the new giveaway, the new contest going on for the month of November. So make sure you tune in for that and listen for our DFS cards. We'll have Chaz Filardi from Sports Betting Weekly and Wake and Bake on to talk about some of our lock bets of the week so we can win you guys some cash heading into week nine. Everybody check us out on social media at BellyUpMDFFShow. Download us on your favorite podcast app and subscribe to our YouTube channel. And we'll see you guys tomorrow night. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.